Hello coaches, thanks as always for tuning in to the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Uh, this is here to help facilitate your peer-to-peer -peer learning. I hope it is helping you guys know that you're definitely not alone out there. So as I've said before, it's my hope that over the course of the next several months and even years that we cover as many coaching situations, scenarios and experiences as possible from a diverse group of coaches. Today I interview Marissa Arce. Marissa is in her fifth year as a head women's tennis coach and has nearly completed her first year as the head coach at DePaul University. She started her college coaching career as a volunteer assistant at the University of Oklahoma in 2012, shortly after graduating from the University of Illinois. In this episode, we discuss her decision to start her career as a volunteer, if it was worth it, and how she has transitioned from volunteer to assistant coach and on to becoming a head coach. We discuss the challenges of combining college coaching and parenting and how she is navigating her new job, her newborn baby, and all the other obligations she is facing at this point in her young coaching career. Hello, Marissa. Welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's good to hear your voice. And uh, we, um, I was very fortunate to have you on my coaching staff years ago. I don't remember what year was, was 2014? Uh, 13 to 14. 13. No, 12 to 13. 12, oh 12 my to God. 13. Okay, a lifetime ago. Well, it's, uh, I think you've got a, an interesting background and, and an interesting story to share. And, and so um, the goal of this podcast is to cover a lot of different coaches' stories and, and kind of how they've managed their way through this industry. And um, so I'm excited to get into this. But maybe we can start with, a, you know, your early days, maybe as a college tennis player at the University of Illinois and when it kind of dawned on you that maybe your future career would be as a college tennis coach, how, how did, how did that start uh, kind of coming into your consciousness? So I think I knew that I would always be interested in college coaching, but really my fifth year, my last year, I decided to, you know, pursue it in the, in the coming year. So I started reaching out to some coaches. I, even applied for a few jobs um, and from there decided that it was probably best to volunteer for a year mm -hmm. um, and kind of go that route. But, you know, my, my coaches and my teammates and just everything at Illinois was just a really great experience for me. And I thought that I could help, you know, other student athletes have a great experience as well. And, Mm -hmm. just kind of keep keep that trend going yeah so when you came into college then what were your career ambitions did, did was tennis in your future at that point um playing no not after college mm -hmm. um you know i i studied management and i i still feel like i am a manager sure. um but you know, I, I was interested in that. I thought about even going to law school, um, kind of was all over the place when I started college, but yeah, I guess by the end, 
I was pretty set on giving college coaching a go. And Mm -hmm. the more I've been in it, the more I've realized that I actually am using my degree Mm. just in a kind of non-traditional way, I guess. Sure. Okay. So when, when you left college, then you made up your mind, you wanted to go down that road or at least give it a go. Uh, And so, um, you know, you said you applied for some, some, paid uh, assistant coaching positions what what was the feedback you were getting from those coaches as to were they telling you you didn't have enough experience or uh, did you even get a response at all or or how did that go um i remember two responses i got they may have been the only ones um one was actually from princeton Hmm. um (laughs) and you know i just didn't didn't have enough experience and you know, Laura was, it was her first year at Princeton, first year college coaching. So, you know, totally understandable. It probably (laughs) wouldn't have been as good as it ended up being the following year. But, um, and then another job, I actually was offered it, but it just didn't seem like the right fit for me out in California, like Mm -hmm. basically a stipend as a salary. And I just, I just thought that I was able, you know, financially with my parents' help to volunteer, you know, for a year. And I thought that I would learn a lot more and be more ready for, you know, a career after that. Mm. Okay. So, so looking back, was that year worth it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was was lucky. um, Well, because of how, how you let me, you know, kind of, take the reins in my own way, meaning like I actually got to coach, you know, Mm -hmm. some people I talked to that volunteered, you know, they're on court 12 playing a set with the number nine player. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they still will do some on court coaching, obviously during matches, but, um, you know, not as much kind of freedom and actual coaching. Like I remember that year at Oklahoma, like, you know, I would help give the individuals on Wednesdays and, you know, actually, felt like I grew into myself as a coach and got to learn from you and Christina and, you know, see a different team and just was so much more ready for, Mm. you know, the next steps after that, for sure. I was just lazy. I didn't want to do any work. So I just let you do everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so it kind of depends on the experience then you, you feel like you, you had a positive experience because you were you were given some freedom freedom and you're encouraged to kind of find your your own way um but what what would you say to other young coaches that are out there that are maybe considering a career in uh college coaching what would you advise them to go down the volunteer path if if they're able to make it work financially and and how would they go about finding the best fit for them yeah, I mean, I I think volunteering would would be a great route for for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think talking to the coach beforehand and kind of getting a feel for you know the expectations and duties and you know what the job would entail, and you know really dedicating your time to it. You know, obviously you'll probably have to you know teach some lessons at night and you know do other things to you know earn money, but you know, I would set aside, you know, most of your time to focus on the team like you were a paid assistant. Mm -hmm. If again, you know, if you're able to, but, you know, and take it, take it like you would, you know, a real job because 
you know, it essentially is. It's not, you know, just a resume builder mm-hmm. and, you know, ask questions, listen, try to get to know the players and, you know, again, just, you know, play around with, with your coaching style and, you know, your strengths and weaknesses and mm-hmm. just try to, you know, keep getting better every day. Oh, that's good advice. And then what about then transitioning from that volunteer role into the assistant position at Princeton? Like you mentioned earlier, you applied, what didn't work out the first time around, but a year later with that experience, um, you put yourself in position to be the assistant for the women's team at Princeton. But how, how did, you know, what what was different about that and, and what you know, what maybe surprised you about moving into kind of that full-time assistant role? Um, Well, funny story first is when I applied the second time, I kept getting an error message from the online, like HR saying, Mm -hmm. you already applied for this job (laughs) from the year before. So I actually had to call (laughs) HR, have them reverse everything so that I could actually apply again. Okay. So that was funny. But, um, you know, I felt really prepared, like especially on court, you know, the coaching and just like practices and matches and everything. Like I was totally ready to go. Um, The things that were challenging was, you know, especially like managing academics. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, at Princeton, it's, you know, school's obviously really hard, but, you know, it's harder to do early morning stuff because they're up really late, you know, doing work. They are just more stressed out about school than, than normal. And we just have essentially less time. Mm. Um, there's also an Ivy league rest days, um, restriction. Like I think it was 49 rest days. Mm-hmm. We had to find during the year. So we weren't practicing, you know, as much as those other teams. Um, but it really teaches you, you know, quality over quantity. Like mm-hmm. when we were on the court, like we had to be efficient. We had to get things done. And um, a lot of times we only had like two or two and a half hours and we had to get like weight and or conditioning and practice in, in that window. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we managed and, Honestly, it, it it helped me moving forward that like, okay, we don't need all the time in the world. We just need to, you know, use it well. Right. Um, but again, like I felt confident helping plan a practice. I felt confident on court during matches. And, mm-hmm. you know, in that sense, you know, nothing's really different school to school, but definitely the academics were challenging. Um, not having scholarships, you know, was mm. challenging too, but, you know, Princeton, academically kind of recruits itself. So like there were also some perks to it, but you know, just being part of the recruiting process Mm. was something I hadn't really done yet. Um, So that was obviously new. Yeah. Um, And tell, tell me about the recruiting. I mean, so when you're thrown in there recruiting for the first time, is it, was that, um, you know, did that kind of meet your expectations? Was it different to what you anticipated it would be? Was, you know, what were some of the challenges there? Or, or did you feel like you could just be yourself and, and um, you know, enjoyed recruiting? Or 
where 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 did you stand on recruiting at that time because i i think sometimes coaches get into it and they forget that recruiting is a huge part of it that it's you know they they've maybe got into it because they enjoyed the the coaching side of it and being on the tennis court and and uh, developing you know a team culture but then they forget like oh i've actually got to get get players on the team as well so where yeah yeah how did you feel about all that initially you know it was definitely a lot because we were building a team culture and like you know we wanted to be on campus and we wanted to be with the team and doing everything but like you said we have to have players coming in the next year and you know keep getting the team better and better Mm -hmm. you know I'm kind of in the middle with how I felt about it you know um I really enjoy getting to know the recruits. Like once we get past that, like initial stage of having this huge list and watching them play a set and, you know, putting them onto the next list or not, you know, like that obviously gets very um, mundane, but once we kind of have, you know, a small group that we're looking at and really getting to know them and their families and bringing them to campus and, um, you know, showing them our school, I, I, I really enjoy that part. And I feel mm-hmm. like we are able to get a good, you know, gauge on, on this recruit as a person and not just as a player and how they'll fit into the culture on the team and how passionate they are and motivated they are mm-hmm. to keep getting better. Yeah. Okay, good. And then, so from Princeton, then you went on to become the head coach at IUPUI. And, and so again, that transition from assistant to head, what, what were some of the surprises there that you faced? Um, scholarships again, you know, we weren't fully funded at IUPUI. So mm-hmm. um, I kind of went from, you know, Illinois, Oklahoma, you know, with, you know, being fully funded and then Princeton having no scholarships. And then, you know, we are kind of in the middle Mm -hmm. um, at IUPUI, but having to manage, you know, how much you're giving to each girl and staying, you know, within the, you know, our limitations, but Mm. also, you know, those academic scholarships and just managing all that was completely brand new to me. Um, and also just scheduling, like scheduling matches, figuring out who we're going to play and just, well, I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> um, you know, what's, what's the best, you know, way to schedule your season, mm. you know, so that you're ready for your, for your conference and ready for hopefully the NCAA tournament. And um, I would say those two things were probably the most challenging. Mm. And and are there any real big lessons you learned in that first year that kind of stuck with you? Is there anything that has helped you make a smoother transition maybe to DePaul now? Um, I think just, you know, just controlling what you can control. You know, you're not going to know everything, but if you can do the little things every day and ask questions and learn and you know, sometimes you're going to make mistakes, but then the next time, you know, just learning from them, I think you end up figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, when you first start somewhere and it's new and there's different things going on, you're just going to be in this whirlwind, but you always figure it out. Right. Like nothing's the end of the world. So, you know, try not to like worry too much about small things that might feel like big things in the moment, but, mm. you know, in a year, you probably won't even remember it. But yeah, just yeah, doing whatever you can. 
Yeah. And I feel like just your your personality lends itself to that anyway. I mean, you 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 don't get too high or low about most things and, yeah. and but but that's just really being kind of reinforced to you yeah. that it's it's yeah, these things are going to happen. There's going to be issues, but like you said, a year from now you're you're probably not even going to remember them, so not to stress too much about yeah. it. So yeah, that's that's uh, great that you're you're learning that so early in your career. I'm 40 and I'm still trying to figure that out. So, um, <laughs> but I want to move on then to your. So uh, you were at IUPUI then for two years, three years. Four years. Four years. I'm getting all my. I haven't done any research for this whatsoever. Um, so four <laughs> years, and then this past summer, then the DePaul job opened up. Uh, and you applied for it, obviously, growing up in Chicago. I'm, I'm assuming that that was uh, in an ideal world. You would have liked to have been back in that area. Is that safe to say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so what 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 I find interesting as well and, and kind of want to get into this without getting too controversial. But but you were nine months pregnant when you uh, interviewed for that job. And um, yep. so I, I'm actually I'm reading a book right now called Better Allies. And, and one of the reasons I'm reading this book and one of the reasons I want to have this conversation with you as well is that I, I learned recently that 37 percent of our women's tennis coaches are are women. And, and I guess uh, there's a, a grading system out there and tennis is getting a grade of D because we have so few uh, wow. women coaching uh, women's teams and and obviously it's probably less than two percent coaching men um so but i i'm reading this book just trying to understand this world a little bit more and there was a quote in the book i'm going to read it to you but um so the author says when when i asked the manager if he planned to promote his top employee into the role he replied that she had young children at home and he felt sure that she wouldn't want all the travel that would come with the promotion so that that's well, that's in the business world um but you know i guess i'm asking you and you you may not have a good answer to this but but the fact that you have a female athletic director do you believe a male ad would have hired you if you were nine months pregnant or is that too big a question to answer i mean i would like to think that they would mm-hmm. um i think the the tougher part would have been the interview process. Like from the the day I first talked to the associate AD at DePaul, a week later I had my baby. So mm-hmm. like that's the timeline we're talking about. And so I talked to her for about an hour and a half. And at the end of the conversation, you know, I nervously told her, well, you know, I'm, I'm due in, you know, three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. So like if, if you're interested, we either need to, you know, do the, inter- uh, do the interview now or like in a month, mm-hmm. um, you know, and neither were obviously like great <laughs> for me, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it was a job that I just, you know, couldn't pass up. Sure. And I was really lucky that, you know, she called me the next day and had the interview the day after that. And, you know, they moved really quickly. And for mm. that, I'm, you know, I feel like I was very fortunate and with males in those positions, I don't know if it had, if it would have moved as quickly or if, you know, I don't know what would have happened Mm. or 
you know, maybe they would have, you know, passed on me because, you know, we never really got to do the interview and, you know, if it wouldn't have moved so quickly, then I don't know if I would be in this, right. in this position right now. Right. And you said there, you, you nervously told them that, that you were, you were nine months pregnant. I mean, if, if I was interviewing for that job and my wife was, you know, nine months pregnant, um, I wouldn't have had to say it nervously, right? I, I probably would have just come out and, and told them and yeah, said, look, the time no, is this, like, that and the other. So it, it's just, yeah, I'm trying to get beneath the surface as to, to why some of these things are the way they are. And, and uh, I don't know um, that, that we'll resolve any of these issues today in our conversation, but I at least want to start having these, these conversations. So, um, why do you think in, in 2020 that coaches, administrators maybe still question why a woman would not be able to coach and raise young children at the same time? You know, I think it's just the stigma that is in our everyday lives, that it's more, quote unquote, normal for, you know, a man to travel and be away from family. And mm-hmm. like, that's kind of almost expected in a lot of, you know, roles that you're in. And it's not as expected when it's a female. Um, and, you know, the time commitment that we have as coaches, I mean, it's a lot, especially sure. when we're in season and traveling. But I also feel like day to day, you know, Monday through Thursday, we have more time than a lot of, a lot of other jobs, like Mm -hmm. office jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, if my kids are sick, I can, you know, go to practice for the two hours that we have practice. And if I have to, like, I can go home and I can be with them. And, you know, we can make, make time during the day that a lot of other jobs, you know, you can't. So Mm -hmm. I, I do feel like in a lot of parts of the year, we, we actually have more flexibility and, um, you know, but when we are in season or, you know, it's summer and we're recruiting a lot, you know, you are gone, you are gone from home a lot. And I think maybe that's why they question that, you know, maybe a woman wouldn't want to be gone from their family that much, but mm-hmm. I like to think that, you know, a man wouldn't want to be gone from his family that much either. Right. <laughs> But, um, I mean, it's a big reason why, why I left coaching is because I, I struggled with that. I really hated being away from, from my kids and, and just couldn't justify it to myself, um, any longer and, and a whole host of other reasons. But yeah, I I don't know why we, we think it's only the, the, the women that, that struggle with that. And, and I think we, we all struggle with it, but, um, yeah, I, I guess I'd be interested to know, are some of these athletic directors um, or associate athletic directors who, who, who are maybe harboring those feelings a little bit? Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess time will tell and we'll see if, if our statistics in tennis improve here in the, in the decades to come. Um, but, um, okay, well, well, you know, I, 
I joke sometimes that that until you you have a family as a coach that you have no real right to to judge whether a coach is doing a good job or not. And I know a lot of coaches, both male and female, that really struggle with that adjustment that they've been cruising along, having a great coaching career. And then all of a sudden the, the kid or kids come along and it's like, whoa, what, what just <laughs> happened here? Um, but, but it, it, I think it's an adjustment and some, some deal with it better than others. I, uh, I don't think I dealt with it particularly well, but, but how have you managed, um, you know, that, that transition, you, you remember, obviously, I, I don't remember really life before kids now, because my kids are so much older, but you, you have still a very clear picture of what life was like as a coach before kids and, and now, um, uh, after with, with two, two young babies at home. So, um, you know, how, how was that adjustment for you? And maybe how did you adjust and, and what do you think you'd, you've done well and, and maybe some lessons you've learned along the way? If, you know, there's coaches out there that are listening to this that are maybe planning to have a family or, or in the thick of it right now. You know, when I, when I had Nico, my son, he was the first, I, you know, started thinking, God, what did I do with all my time? Like before I must have had so much time mm -hmm. now having two, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I had so much time when it was just Nico. Yep. You know, so it's all, it's all just like perspective, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I think, you know, what helped me kind of cope with it is trying to find, even if it's just five minutes or, you know, any small amount of time, you know, just for me and clearing my mind and being able to still feel like a real person amidst like all this chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, doing things that, that make me feel good, whether it's, you know, exercising, like I, we have 7am practice three days a week and I make a point to work out before that practice. So I just oh, get up wow. an hour earlier I get to the court. <laughs> I work out, you know, and it's just, but it, it makes me feel better. I have more energy when I'm doing that instead of, mm -hmm. you know, showing up and just going to practice. And then, and then the day happens, you know, it just, everything happens so quick and it's a lot harder afterwards to try to find the time to, to do something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like to, you know, what I try to remind myself is that, you know, I'm, I, I love coaching. I'm very passionate about it. And, you know, I think it being fulfilled outside of, you know, your family time and, you know, just having something that, that you care about a lot and that you're, you know, dedicating a lot of time and energy to, I think that makes me a better, a better mom, a better wife, a better, you know, just family member, a better friend mm -hmm. than, you know, if I was spending my day doing something that, you know, I wasn't as passionate about. So I try to, you know, remind myself why I'm doing it. And, you know, the positives that it does have, even though, you know, there are going to be some things that I miss, um, you know, on weekends, especially, but, right. you know, I think overall it, it helps our family for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So what, what would you maybe say to some young women coaches out there that are, are, they, they might be sitting here questioning how they're they're going to balance college tennis w with starting a new family. I mean, this is, I, I hate that I'm even asking that question because I think, I don't think I'd ask that of of, of a male coach and, and 
maybe I should start asking that question. But but I, I do get the sense, just like you alluded to earlier about nervously telling uh, the administrator about, about your pregnancy. Um, I, I do think a lot of women's coaches out there are, are really, they wrestle with that maybe more than their male counterparts. So how would you encourage, you know, those young coaches out there thinking about it? I think there's, you know, there's never going to be the right, the right time or the perfect position to, you know, be like, okay, this is, this is the right time to start a family. Like mm -hmm. it's never going to feel like that. But I think if you have, you know, your spousal or partner support and you guys are, you know, a team and you're going to, you know, raise your child together and it's not just, you know, the mom's job to, to mm -hmm. raise the child, then like, I think you're in a great position to do it. Mm -hmm. um, obviously you'll, you know, have to come up with a plan for when you're traveling and, you know, all those things. But again, I think, I think you'll figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. I think just having that support is the, is the biggest factor. And I think if you have that, then, then you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Most things in life, we, we figure it out ultimately yeah. <laughs> we come up with a solution and it figures out and and uh we think the 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 world is falling but ultimately there there's an answer there somewhere so um well i think you're, you're a great role model for for any young coach out there and, and the path that you you've taken but uh, along that path obviously you've you've been around so, some really good coaches and, and programs and, and even, um, you know, in your junior days, I think Mark Bay was your coach in, 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 um, Chicago. And then, uh, obviously going on to the university of Illinois and being around the, the men's and women's programs there and then Oklahoma and Princeton. So are, are there any, you know, lessons that, you know, you apply today that you learned from, from, any of your coaches along the way, whether it's, you know, working for them or, or playing under them? Was there anything that's really stood with you that you're applying to your teams today? So I think, again, you know, controlling what you can control, mm -hmm. you know, not wasting energy or, you know, putting worry into anything that is outside of your control. Um, I think it's just huge on the tennis court in life and everything. Um, and I learned that as a player and, you know, as coaching, like my team, if they listen to this, they'll probably be laughing because I feel like this is all I ever say. <laughs> um, but, and I think also just showing up every day, mm -hmm. no matter what you show up, you're on time, you're enthusiastic, you have a good attitude, good energy, and you're just, you're role modeling, you know, what you want your team to do. And I think, especially once you have kids and there's so much more going on, it holds even more weight. Like, it doesn't matter if I only slept two hours last night, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be on time and I'm going to have a lot of energy and they can expect that of me. And mm -hmm. I think it gives, you know, it's a powerful message that, you know, there's, there's going to be things that happen, but when we're on court for the two hours or, you know, however long it is, like, you're going to show up and you're going to, you know, meet these expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think just listening and asking questions like the more the better that you know your players the more you can make an impact on them mm -hmm. and i think that i've learned that over and over and over again mm -hmm. um that that's one once they trust you and once you have that relationship you could tell them to do a cartwheel before they hit a forehand and they'll go do a <laughs> cartwheel before they hit a forehand 
you know, and once, once you have that, then you can really, really make a difference. Yeah. That's great. You're, you're wise beyond your years, Mish. Um, um, and well, the most important question of the day is, can you now do a yoga handstand? Handstand? No, but I was just showing the team my handstand like two days ago. Okay. okay. But I'm not, I'm not quite on the handstand yet, but I'll get working on it. Okay. We'll get there. Okay, Mish. Well, look, let, let's leave it there. Um, I really appreciate your time today. I know you have a million things going on. You're in the, in the middle of the season and you're also, like we talked about, uh, raising two little, two little babies. So um, I wish you all the luck at the Paul. I know you'll do a great job out there and, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. Thanks so much for talking, Dave. Thanks, Mish. Thank you to Marissa for coming on the ITA College Coaches podcast. Next time, I will be interviewing Dash Connell, the head men's and women's coach at Tyler Junior College.